Hello and welcome to the podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Shishma Malik. I'm a lecturer in classical stage and history at the University of Queensland and I mainly teach Roman history and Latin. Great, so let's go back a little way to what first got you interested in ancient history. Uh, I am have been interested in ancient history not really as long as I can remember but a fairly long time. I was lucky enough to be introduced to it actually in primary school in a very sort of you know cursory way where um, we were asked to do a, a dinner menu for the for Marcus Aurelius um, and, and look at Roman food and all sorts of things like that which is great fun to do when you're that age. And it's not like I decided apart at that moment as a nine-year-old or ten-year-old that I was going to be an ancient history lecturer but those early introductions sort of made me aware of um, the ancient world and then when I got the opportunity to study it at at A-level so when I was about 16 and 17 I jumped at the chance at being able to widen that further Um, and then university after that seemed like the obvious choice. (laughs) So where did you study at university? I went to the University of Bristol in the southwest of England in the UK. I was there for my undergraduate and my postgraduate degrees, so for a long time they they had to put up with me. Oh. And what first interested you in Roman history to go on to study it? I knew that I was very interested in ancient history and through my sort of school experience I'd done more Rome than Greece so Rome seemed to me like a a fairly natural thing but at university I did both I did I studied both Greece and Rome and then specialized from there but I think what really solidified the decision for me was going to Rome when I was um, about uh, 19 years old and just seeing the city and having that sort of experience and and being able to see the Colosseum and all these amazing monuments of ancient Rome sort of up close but also the um, you know the the less obvious monuments as well and wandering around the forum and that kind of thing really um, it just you know it's very difficult not to fall in love with it. (laughs) And at what particular point did you realise you wanted to go on to academic research? That's that's a good question. I'm not sure I ever really made that decision consciously. At every stage, I thought, I'm not finished with this yet. There's still more I want to know about this. There's still more I'd love to um, I'd love to find out. And to be honest, that's still the case now. You go on and, and you know, you, there's always more to, to know and think about. So after I finished my BA, I thought, okay, there's, you know, there, I, I really want to look into this in a bit more detail. So then went on to master's and then I uh, thought from there, oh, but then there's this and then went on to PhD and, and here I am. <laughs> And what was your PhD on? I worked on the Emperor Nero and his reception as the Antichrist in antiquity and then the resurrection of that idea in the 19th century. So it was really interesting. Well, I would say it was interesting because I clearly thought so. But um, it was a very good topic to do because it, it sort of intersected classics and reception theory, but also New Testament theology and early Christianity as well. And I was very interested in all of those things. And it see, it was just the perfect topic to kind of bring together some of those themes. And how do you feel this has led into your current research now? So I have always been very interested in Roman political history and I'm continuing um, along with that field. Although I'd say since finishing the PhD and the jobs that I've had and the uh, amazing lecturers I've been able to meet and talk to, I've become much more interested in cultural and social history as well. So that widened out my perceptions, the way in which I thought about the ancient world as well. So it's uh, been quite quite a sort of long process, but I think also interactions with other people help to shape how your research is, um, is continues um, and progresses. And what do you think that says about you as a person, that this is what's drawn your attention? Ah, 
Goodness, um, I don't know. What does it say about me? Um, I think anyone who knows anything about Nero would think I'm a horrible person to be interested in an emperor who, you know, is supposed to have kicked his wife to death and set fire to Rome. And these are all rumours I would like to point out. But, um, but you know, kill his mother. But it's, yeah, I think more broadly than Nero, um, ancient history is is really fascinating because there's so much also that we don't know. So there's so much to think about and so many ways to think about it. And and what I was lucky enough to be taught at Bristol is that the ways in which we interact with the ancient world and encounter evidence and interpret evidence are as important to our understanding of history as simply looking at books or, or, you know, um, ancient sources. And you mentioned that you did a lot of of your research initially at Bristol, what made you move over to Australia? Oh, um, so I, after I finished my PhD, I had two teaching jobs at the University of Manchester in the UK, which I enjoyed very much. But then a job came up at Brisbane and it was a really lovely contract. It had some research time with it as well. It was for two and a half years. So I had a bit of a sense of, you know, what I'd be doing for, for that time. Because when you first get into academia, uh, posts tend to be very short. I had two consecutive 10-month posts. So the idea of two and a half years to me seemed like an eternity. And, uh, you know, the opportunity to come over to um, a country that I didn't know particularly well, but had, you know, always heard such good things about and also to work in a department like UQ's, which had so many historians in it that I admire, uh, was really uh, too good an opportunity to miss. (laughs) So moving away a little bit from kind of your background, what would you give as advice to a student who's starting out at university? A student starting out, I would say, just enjoy the experience of learning. I know that sounds very cliche, <laughs> but it's such a great thing. And the Australian system as well, I didn't, I didn't, the UK system is different. You specialise very early. You do a BA in classics or in ancient history. Whereas I do appreciate here that, that students, you know, get to explore so many different things, which is phenomenal and gives you such a different, you know, gives you such a range of things to call upon when you ask to study an ancient source or, or whatever. If you've done a bit of anthropology or a bit of um, sociology or, you know, modern history and all of those things can come together to inform the way that you interpret things and I think that's a lovely thing to to be able to take advantage of and I would say to students just you know relish that be able to study widely and then um, you know think about how those things can relate to the one thing that you find you're really interested in. And just before we go into your current research a book recommendation something that influenced you impacted you just interested you? Oh, so I'm going to go for a book that I've just finished reading, actually. It's the biography of one of my favourite actors. His name is Peter Ustinov. And the autobiography is called, so it's an autobiography, it's called Dear Me. Um, and I started reading it because I'm very interested, as you know, I'm very interested in Nero. And he played Nero in a, a brilliant, uh, one of my favourite films, Quo Vadis, a 1950s Hollywood epic. And I wanted to think or know a bit more about what his motivations were for wanting to play that role and and how he approached it and that kind of thing. So that was my very academic reason for choosing the book. However, I read the whole thing and it's such a beautifully written, surprising, elegant autobiography of someone who was clearly an absolutely supremely intelligent person and uh, someone who has such fascinating insights who was a multilingual and you know encountered so many different 
and have thoughts about so many different people and, and ideas and and yeah so it's a really brilliant book beyond you know a, just a biography of an actor excellent well i might have to pick up a copy then <laughs> so yeah now moving on to your current research do you want to just talk a little bit about one of your recent articles sure um i've recently uh, been working quite a lot on the English, or actually Irish, I should say, but he spent a lot of time in England, uh, playwright and uh, poet and wit and novelist, um, Oscar Wilde, and the way in which he interacts with the ancient world, because uh, people don't always necessarily realise that Oscar Wilde was a classicist. He was trained in classics at Trinity College Dublin and then went on to Magdalen College Oxford for further work. So the way in which he the classical illusions that he puts in his his works, I think, go beyond just having read the Odyssey once or having heard of Suetonius or or um, you know studied them a little bit at school because classics was part of the curriculum then. He really has um, he, the way in which he interacts with the ancient world. I find absolutely fascinating, and um, he's well known for being a Hellenist and a Hellenophile. But his interactions with ancient Rome is what I tend to focus on, and I find those um, equally as, as interesting. Yeah, I, most people, particularly me, wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't necessarily make the link between, you know, ancient history, Rome, and Oscar Wilde. Yes. <laughs> no, that's, um, like I say, that comes from my training, I think, from Bristol and, you know, being able to work in the places that I have since. Classical reception or the classical tradition is something that I'm very interested in. So it's an idea that the way in which we encounter the ancient world is necessarily mediated by all of the people that have, have encountered it before us. So when we read uh, even a penguin copy of Suetonius, that translator will have been affected by or be in some way receiving the ancient text and that he, they, he or she is being, our encounter is mediated through him or her. So how the Victorians or uh, people in the 19th century interact with these things, I think, are, is, is absolutely fascinating. And like I say, someone like Oscar Wilde in his literary outputs is really playing around with some of those ideas about ancient Rome um, in very imaginative and creative ways. And I find that really interesting. And do you find it in other, you know, quite famous pieces of English literature or other literature? Yeah, lots of literature from the 19th century. And, you know, still now, I mean, you know, historical novelists like Margaret George has just written a book on Confessions of Nero. And, you know, uh, I, Claudius, of course, is a classic one, um, Robert Graves. I mentioned Quo Vadis, the film that Peter Ustinov was in earlier, but that was based on a book from the 19th century by a Polish writer called Henryk Sienkiewicz. So it's all, lots and lots of people are very fascinated with this idea. And, um, in fact, in looking at Nero as the Antichrist in particular, in the late 19th century, a two-volume historical novel was written by a man called Frederick William Farrer, all about this idea of the apocalyptic reign of Nero. So, you know, it's it's going back to the ancient world to think about modern problems, basically, and that's, or think through modern problems, and that's something that, you know, I find fascinating. But then this becomes part of the history of that person as well. So from a historical viewpoint, it's all feeding into each other. When you say part of the history of a person, you mean that history is a storytelling, basically. Yeah, history is very much storytelling. You know, right back from antiquity, this idea of, of um, you know, constructing narrative in order to, you know, tell a story according to a particular idea is something that, that um, is talked about a lot in scholarship. And the story of an emperor, be it you know, Nero, Caligula, Constantine, whomever, is constantly changing over, over different periods. And we as historians are 
influenced by all of those different periods that have essentially led scholarship to where it is now. So it's um, it's all part of that big story. And while you might be doing classical perception, have you done any more research on, say, Nero or um, one of the other ancient history kind of figures that we've known today? Yeah, so I work on um, on Nero and antiquity as well and, 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 and think about those sorts of things. Most of my, I'm also holding a conference here at UQ with my colleague Kaylin Davenport, which uh, thinks about perceptions of Roman emperors both in space and in time, so kind of more broadly, so geographically variant ideas. And that goes back to that social and cultural history idea that I was talking about earlier, but also the the ideas about how uh, perception changes over time is something that, that can then be drawn in and brought together that actually, even in antiquity, Roman emperors were being perceived in particular ways. There was no one history right, of, of a particular person. If you're in Asia Minor or in Greece, you might have a very different thought about Augustus than someone in the imperial court in Rome, like, you know, we do with modern political figures as well. And obviously, everyone's history is slightly different. <laughs> of course, of course. And I just wanted to look at a little bit of how you teach ancient history, specifically at university, when it has to be considered a humanities subject and teaching it with those humanities methods. Yeah, so teaching, lecturing in particular, and I really enjoy lecturing because going back to what we were saying about what history is, in lecturing you get to tell a story and I really enjoy being able to tell that story and whether that's, you know, the story of the fall of the Roman Republic or the story of, uh, you know, the emperors or the story of Roman religion or whatever that might be, it's really exciting to be able to kind of put things together in that narrative form and give that level of detail and information that you get to do at university, which is just brilliant, and then see kind of how and, and listen to questions and, and see how students react to to things. So I think that that idea of, of telling the story of the past is, is a really nice one when, when teaching. And have you found anything in particular teaching in Australia versus in the UK? Yeah, I to be honest, they're very similar, <laughs> I found, uh, which, you know, people might take uh, either way, but definitely teaching at UQ has been very similar to the sorts of uh, teaching methods I used at Manchester um, and developed there with big lectures and then smaller tutorials as well. So actually, it's been it's been really nice to have that continuity, even down to the fact that everyone uses Blackboard, <laughs> whether you're here or in Manchester or whatever, or in Bristol, it's all Blackboard. <laughs> And now moving away from teaching methods, I'm a bit curious about how you go about researching ancient history. How do you begin writing about, you know, whatever you choose to write about, you know, writing an article? How do you start that? Ancient evidence. <laughs> you always start with the ancient evidence. So um, when you come across an idea or something that makes you think, so um, something, if you're reading a book or you're, I'm saying doing a piece of research, but your question is how do you start doing that, right? Um, if you're reading a new book that someone's just published, so um, a new book has just come out on Roman political history in some way and you're reading it and, and, and there's a question in there that a scholar is asking that makes you think about something in particular, then that's always a trigger. And then from there, you go back and think, OK, what is the ancient evidence for this? And you go through that in a lot of detail and you can pick through that. And then you start to bring in the modern scholarship on that particular topic and then formulate your ideas. You decide what you think in, in relation to all of these things. And then you can go about the writing process after that. 
It's not a million miles away from an essay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just curious just because I am a modern history scholar. And to me, you were talking about the fact that there is so much uncertainty in ancient history about dealing with that uncertainty in scholarship. Yeah, no, and that's what, for me, that's what makes it so exciting. I love the fact that all of these sources are open for interpretation and you're making an argument about them. And is your argument convincing? And that's the ultimate test. Is your scholarship going to be successful, which means your argument is convincing or not, which means maybe, you know, try again on something else or or whatever. But it's exactly about that. Is what you're saying something that you can convince people of given all of the uncertainties given the problems that we have with evidence because just because we don't have everything doesn't mean we should give up <laughs> i like that attitude <laughs> Thank but you. yeah definitely it's something that you require with the humanities method it's something that separates yeah. it from the social sciences I think so. Yeah, I think I think very much so. And like you say, the humanities have a very specific set of, you know, criteria in terms of evaluation and analysis and in-depth scrutiny and criticism and, and those sorts of things that are great skills to be able to learn. And that's, you know, really for me, I think as well, been the value of, of being a humanities scholar from, you know, from, from degree onwards. So just to finish up, what are you looking to research in the future, even in broad terms? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, broadly speaking, want to continue kind of working in the field of classical reception. So, like I say, I'm very interested in the way in which classics comes to us through this mediated process. So I think classical reception is probably where I will continue my research further. But you never know, that's the thing, like with your last question, you never know when something else is going to pop up and you think, oh, actually, I want to do this. So I'm trying to keep a very open mind and read very openly to think about where things might lead me in the future. Excellent. Well, thank you for sitting down with me. Oh, thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure.